Ladies and gentlemen, look at Talk. A new episode starts now. Welcome, one. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Liquor Talk, the podcast. And thank you for everybody joining me today, whether you're joining on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you join at. Today, we have another dope conversation. Once again, I am your man, Victor, holding it down here in Florida. Um, joining me today, she is the lady of the matchmaking business, Mosaic Matchmaking, holding it down out of Texas. It's Miss Brooke. How are you doing today? Hey, Victor. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm doing good, and I'm excited about our conversation today. Yes, I'm excited too. But before we get to that, I got to give a few shout outs. First of all, shout out to everybody that hit me up on social media. Um, I was kind of not feeling it. I had a rough past couple of days and I had a whole bunch of people on Twitter reaching out to me like hey hang in there so first of all I want to give shout outs to y'all y'all are everything second of all I want to shout out to the home team Tampa Bay Lightning they brought home the trophy you know what I'm saying my shirt finally got here I would have been recorded show love but know how ordering things is so with that said let's go ahead and talk to Miss Matchmaker <laughs> <laughs> how you how's everything been going how you holding up through this whole craziness that is going on through 2020 oh you know it 2020 has been a year like I would never have thought that I would have lived through this type of year I will say though through it all my me starting this matchmaking company has been what's been keeping me sane so we launched back at the Labor Day weekend in September and you know starting around June I really started hitting the pavement with getting all the admin and operation stuff for the business and then once we launched I've really been reaching out to people, having phone calls. So I'll say this, if I didn't have this business right now, I really don't know how I'd be staying sane. Um, I, actually, I have to agree with you there because if I didn't have this podcast, if I didn't yeah. have uh, deep episodes of this podcast where I'm talking <laughs> to different people, I wouldn't know how to stay sane either. All this madness yeah. going on really? and stuff. It's but talk to me, what is the matchmaking about business about? Yeah, so really and truly, you know, I got started because I love to just play matchmaker with my single friends. I mean, you, my friends can tell you that anytime I saw a single guy or single girl, I was always trying to figure out who can I match them up or connect them with. And so really and truly, like I had the passion for it. And I started looking at other matchmakers, seeing what type of uh, industry was out there. And one of the things that really grabbed my attention was that a lot of matchmakers, there's about 1,600 matchmakers, by the way, in the United States, but only a very small percentage of them even have people of color, specifically black and brown people, as their clientele. And so I really found that there's a huge gap in the matchmaking market where we're, the people of color are not even being really catered towards. And so that's where I came up with my specific niche of handling and catering my business towards matching people of color. Um, and so that's kind of how I got started. Uh, specifically right now, I'm starting off um, in the DFW area because that's where I'm based, I'm based out of Dallas, but I'm already quickly seeing how this is a gap nationwide. So if all goes well, I'm looking to expand really quickly. That's real, it is definitely a gap nationwide because even when preparing for this podcast, I was looking up other businesses and it's like, mm -hmm. They don't have no people of color on there. I'm like, my right. goodness. I know. Not even, even when you're looking at their website, I'm like, y'all could have at least tried. Y'all could have at least found some brown faces to put in your stock photos. So I knew it was a huge gap. Um, we even talked to people in our network here and they were like, you know, yeah, this is something I'd really be interested in. 
What I'm finding now though, Victor, is also trying to educate the market. Because like you mentioned, um, you know, you hadn't really heard much about matchmaking and that's true for a lot of people in our community. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's like a dating app, like match.com and stuff, but that's not what it is. It's really a personalized curated dating process. So people can think of me as their dating concierge or a headhunter. Um, and when they come to me, I'm walking them, I'm walking alongside with them during that dating process and actually curating matches uh, for them specifically to go on and, and introducing them. Wow, wow, interesting, interesting. So has you now have you had any success stories so far from the match from um or have you heard of other people's successes? when using the matchmaking business? Yeah, there's actually a ton of success stories. So for me, with me just getting started uh, last month, I don't have a success rate calculated just yet because it takes time, but I'll give you a little bit about what we and what that kind of indicates. So for me, I chose to measure my success by when I introduce someone uh, to their match and they go on a date, do, is there mutual interest and do both of them want to pursue a second meeting? So that's one metric. And the other metric is looking at a six-month perspective. After six months, is that match or that introduction, are they still together? Um, a lot of people who have found success with matchmaking, just looking um, at the industry as a whole, are people who are really busy uh, because obviously we all know that dating takes time. If you're going to really pursue people and get on, on dating apps, you've got to devote a lot of time to that. It's exhausting. And so when you think of people who are business owners, our executives, directors, you know, they may not have the time to invest. Um, and so that's a lot of people who find success. Um, another time is also looking for people who are kind of in that demographic where they may have already been married before or have children. So they are looking for something very specific and they really don't have a lot of time to sit there and play games because they're not just thinking of things for themselves. They have a reputation on the line. They have their children to think about. They have their families to think about. So these are the people who are, who are turning towards matchmakers and her really finding, having a lot of the success stories. Wow. Um, yeah. That's good because I know people I know of, they hop, quick to hop on Tinder or, yeah. or Black or or Plenty of Fish or OkCupid. Okay, OkCupid okay, be asking 50 million questions. I know, I know. Sometimes it's like, you generate based on percentages, but you'll say like 90%, but then you meet that person, meet them in person. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. Uh, I was reading this book called Modern Romance and it talked a lot about dating apps. Um, one of the things is like you mentioned, you know, you're getting on a dating app and you're answering all these questions and it's saying that, you know, it's gonna match you with someone who's compatible, but you also kind of have to think about you're only going to be matched with or be seeing people who have that same app. So you have to think about that dating pool. It's already going to be limited. And even still, it was also they're playing devil's advocate because they say, you know, people are on here saying all these preferences that they have. But when they're presented with the people with their preferences, it still doesn't work out or really and truly some of the preferences that they're saying aren't necessarily what they're looking for. Um, so it's, it's really interesting when you start looking at those dating apps. Yes, yes. So now what is the difference, what's the major difference between using the matchmaking service and just using a plain old regular dating app? Yeah, so first and foremost, our service is specifically personalized. Um, you know, I am gonna walk with you directly. A dating app, as we mentioned, you're sitting there, you're telling them your preferences and you're on your own. 
me, I am working with you. And not only am I having specific interviews with my clients, but I'm also thinking about what I'm picking up from them based on the things that are unsaid. I, you know, once COVID is over, my plan is to meet with these people in person in like their workspace, maybe a home so I can pick up on how their, what their lifestyle is. Those will give you big indicators on, you know, someone that may be compatible with them. Additionally, my process is very discreet. So instead of you having to get on there and post your photo, they especially think about someone who's maybe an executive or director. You know, you don't want to get up there and post your photo. You don't know who's going to come across your dating profile. You don't want your coworkers to look at your profile. So with me, I confidentiality is of, of most importance. So if we do it to the point where even when I'm reaching out to a match for you, I may not even send your picture. Um, so that is another huge benefit over a dating app. So what is like blind dates you're basically setting up? Well, it depends on the my client's level of comfort. Uh, so one thing, and this is really funny, but so, you know, I was working with a lady and she wants to be very confidential because she has a reputation. She's worked hard to build her career. And so before I send her on a date, I'll try to have a conversation and I reach out to, you know, the guys and I'll ask them, hey, you know, I think you might be a good match for a lady I'm working with. Um, would you be interested in talking on the phone? And so once I get them, then I can, you know, show them a quick picture. Like when if you and I are on a video call, I mm-hmm. could share a picture then. But I wouldn't send anything to them in Messenger um, so that they can screenshot it and circulate it. So that's kind of how I disguise it. Okay. And yeah. do you work with people on like dating tips and giving dating advice? Are you like also their coach as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is another big piece of it because a lot of people who are looking for a matchmaker, they need help with the full process. And that's why I offer packages. Um, So I am literally, you know, if you need help on what should I wear after this date, how should I respond to this? How long should I wait to uh, text this person back or invite them on a second date? So absolutely. I am a dating coach and all of the above when it comes to working with clients. Um, it's really like, oh, I try to do a holistic approach to it, even, you know, checking in with them mentally, like, how are you doing in other aspects of your life? Because really and truly, that all is going to spill into your dating life. Yes, yes, yeah. that, is. that definitely Absolutely. is, because sometimes people may need their dating life to pick up because the other parts of their life are just not yeah. working out. So do, if you see that, do you just tell somebody straight up now might not be a good time to date? Man, I will tell you this. I am transparent. And I, and I, even before I start walk, working with people, I let them know that because I believe that we have to have a honest, and open relationship when I'm working with you. And I unfortunately have had to tell someone that I could not take them on as a client because they were not ready. They had too much stuff going on in their personal life. And I knew for me, it was going to be a conflict working with them. And then too, I have to think about you know, who I'm matching them with. And I'm like, I, in good faith, can't hook this person up on a date because I know that they're not ready. Um, so in those cases, I either can recommend and do some date coaching, um, which is perfectly fine. Or, at, you know, sometimes if it's a bad situation, I'll have to recommend maybe they should just check out going to therapy. And, you know, like no, no bad stigma or anything. But to your point, I just want to make sure I'm real and transparent because there are some things that people need to check before they try to get out there and start dating for real. Um, that's the other thing about me as a matchmaker specifically, I am looking to build intentional relationships. So, you know, I'm not here for people who are playing games or want to test the waters. 
So before I am, I want to make sure you're in a place where you can come with intentionality before I even start that process with you. Mm. Yeah. That's real. That's real. So how do you know if a person is just ready for it um, once you meet with them? Yeah. So I asked them a couple of questions. And one of those is, what have you been doing um, to prepare yourself for long-term relationships? Why do you think you're ready for a long-term relationship? Um, And then kind of dig back into their past and see like what type of lessons they've learned from maybe past mistakes or past interactions um, or, you know, their previous dating experience. So there's a lot of questions that I ask around that and also trying to get them self-reflection. And then before I even start matching them, it's about a month where we have a couple of different meetings, we're interacting. So I really get to know that person on a deeper level uh, before I'm even sending people to them. Wow. Now, do you do this by yourself or do you have a whole team helping you? So right now I am by myself. Uh, My husband, thankfully, he helps with the admin operation stuff. I couldn't do all this without him. So with him handling those types of uh, that type of stuff, I'm able to focus on the actual um, logistics of the matchmaking business. Mm -hmm. So how do where do people like um from what you've seen, like, where do people succeed in this? Like, well, well like, where do people, where, where have you seen that people are very successful in uh, matchmaking? Yeah, so one of the things is I do tell them my expectations. Um, you have to, a couple of different things. I tell them that I want you to be responsive and I want to make sure you have time to dedicate to dating. So I can't send you a match and then it takes you two or three weeks to get back to them and set up a date or you're over here like, oh, I don't know, let me think about that. No, I need you to be committed to the process. The other thing about that is I really want people to say, I ask them, you know, if you continue down the road that you're on and you look up a year from now, because you know, you haven't hired me or anything, would you be okay with being on the same place? And so when those people are able to tell me like, no, I want to do something now to change it. I'd be like, okay, let's get started. The other piece of that is I really, really, really encourage my clients to be open. Um, Open in, you know, you may have this list of things of of a partner that you've always dreamed of that you wanted. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Like, yes, I'm matching on your core values and I absolutely take into account your preferences, but there may be one or two things that I may challenge you on. Um, A big topic is interracial relationships. Um, And I really do try to encourage my clients and my friends in general to be open um, to dating someone that might be outside of your comfort zone. I'm not saying you have to marry them, but I think that when people at least give them a chance to maybe go on a date, it just kind of opens opens their perspective a little bit. So those are some of the um, characteristics of people who will really have a good experience with matchmaking. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Look at Talk. If you know, know now, now you know. The more look you drink, the more better it sounds. So go ahead and pull up some look if you haven't done so already. So what is the plan to expand into other states? Because like so I'm sitting here in Florida and I know people that are like struggling with dating and they're just yeah. like to hell with this because it's like the, the dating pool is just bad. It's, you know. Absolutely. So definitely building my database up. And, and so that's a couple of different things with the, with my matchmaking business I'll get into. Um, so there's two really two options to work with me. You can either join my free database or you can become a paying client. 
So when I'm here talking to you and I'm mentioning a client, this is someone who is paying me and I'm perverting, providing this personalized matchmaking service to them. Now, if you want to be a member of my free database, what you're saying to me is, hey, you know what, I'm looking. I don't necessarily want to, for whatever reason, want to sign up as a paying client, um, but put me in your database. So if you have, you're working with someone who you think I'm a match for, contact me. And so the benefit of being in the database is obviously it's free. You're on my radar. So if I come across someone that I feel like could be a good match for you, I'm automatically going to reach out to you. Um, I put you on my mailing list. So if there's any events or webinars that I have going on, you're automatically included in that. And then of course, you know, you're getting, a, when, if I do introduce you to someone, that person is going to be vetted. Um, and so to answer your question, uh, really and truly building that database up is when I feel, will feel confident um, expanding to other states. Because I want to make sure that before I take a client on, and that kind of goes back to working with people, I want to make sure that there's someone who is matchable and someone I know that I can match with. Because part of my process is whenever you sign up, I guarantee a certain number of introductions. And so I want to make sure I have enough connections. I know that I can find enough people in the opposite in whatever state you're living in um, to actually introduce you to, and not only just introduce you to anybody, but someone I feel like would actually truly be a good match. So there's a such thing as a person that's just unmatchable because I saw an episode of How I Met Your Mother a couple of years ago, and it's like, I remember the main character, Ted, went on there, and it's like the lady, the matchmaking service, they couldn't find him for find nobody for him. I was like, wow, I didn't yeah. think that was possible. Yeah, you know, like, and that's the thing with matchmakers. We have to be very realistic with, like I was telling you, I'm transparent, I'm realistic. And so I'm not going to say that I believe that people don't have someone out, out there for them. I think everybody can find someone. But I think the challenge is, are you coachable? And are you willing to work with someone else in this process? So when someone is talking about, oh, I have this long list of preferences, I'm not open, um, she has to be this, this, or this, I'm like, no, because mm -mm. that's not how I work. I'm going to find you stuff based on, you know, your core values and preferences that you've expressed that I feel like realistic. But when you start putting that many, I guess, parameters on a matchmaker, it's hard for us to find a match for you. Um, and then really and truly, who will want to meet you? Uh, and then another thing that I tried to, we were going back to our little conversation earlier. Another thing I ask people is, would you be okay dating yourself? So you have all these demands, but what are you bringing to the table? And sometimes people aren't really in tune with what they have to offer. Oh, I, I was just going to go there because <laughs> I see, I see a lot of people, men and women, they'll have a long ass list of things they want. In a yeah. spot, to say they got this. They gotta have this credit score. They gotta be working this job. Yeah. They gotta. Yeah. They gotta have this kind of income. They gotta have a house. They some some yeah. can't have kids. All of that. And I'm looking yeah. at all these standards, like, and what are you bringing to the table? <laughs> yep, it's a that is a good question. And again, that's one of the things that I ask people too when I'm working with them. You know, you really have to be real with yourself and and think about what you're contributing. And it, when you notice that there's those gaps, like oh, you know what, I'm asking for somebody to make six figures, but, you know, I'm still at an entry-level paying job. Okay, well, you know, is that real? I'm not, and I'm not saying that that disqualifies you from meeting someone six figures, but I'm just, I just want you to think about, is that a really realistic expectation for you? 
Yes, that's real. And I yeah. feel like a lot of people will be checked because <laughs> it sounds like you just want somebody to pay your bills, not somebody yeah. <laughs> to build a long-term relationship. Yes, with. and that's the key. That's really the key. That's what I want people to start thinking about, long-term relationship. What are those qualities that you need? And a lot. I'll give you one, security. Okay, you want security and maybe honesty. These are two qualities that I would say are core. And, you know, if that's your preferences, then that's something that absolutely I'm going to respect and take into account. But when you tell me I need a man that's 6'5", or I need a woman that, um, you know, is like a Coke bottle, okay, these are some we may need to reevaluate. <laughs> so basically, if they come with you with any, any physical demands, you going to tell them straight up they need to reevaluate it. Physical demands... I, you know, at its core, I do, I do try to go, I try to take those into account when they're realistic. Um, if someone has a preference, they're like, you know, I really want to marry, I'll say this, I really want to marry a black man. Okay, that's understandable. I will probably send you, most of your matches will more than likely be black men. Um, something simple like, I want him to be taller than me. Okay, that's a little easier than you telling me that you want someone who's 6'5". So if those, if those uh, physical preferences are kind of realistic, I'm okay with it. The other thing that we can talk about <laughs> is I also try to make sure that people are realistic with the dating pool. So whenever you start putting, uh, whenever you start putting parameters and you have this list, you have to realize that you are dwindling down your dating pool for every checkbox you have. Um, so that's another thing I really talk to people about too. So basically, the more more things they want in a person that just dwindles down their their dating pool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then that's when you have to go back to looking at yourself. Like, hey, you dwindled down your dating pool to like thirty men, um, and then with those thirty men who fit these preferences, would they even be interested in you specifically? Ooh. You know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I'm getting real. I'm getting really real. But like, no, I mean, I'm just trying to be honest. No, let's keep it all the way real. So that way, when people pay you their money, yeah, they know what they expect. That's you know, true. That's so true. What would what would happen if somebody just said this ain't working and demanded a refund? Yeah. So you know what we I I do I offer people if the relationship really isn't working, I allow people to uh, get out of there I don't really want to say a contract it's like a six-month commitment so the way my payment works is you pay an enrollment fee that takes us through the process of where I'm really conducting these interviews I'm really getting to know you on a deeper level so that takes about the first month and then from there you are paying a monthly fee for me to basically uh you know work together and me present you with introductions so now say for instance they work with me for three months and they're like you know what this really isn't working with me. I don't think I need a matchmaker or maybe I'm realizing that I need to approach this in a different way. Or I'm just not ready. If they give me enough notice period, then I won't charge them from then on out. So there isn't any refunds for something that you've already redeemed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like if you're paying for the first month, we have already, you know, we've already spent that time. I've already spent that energy getting you matches. So there's no refund at that point. But if you want to stop the process then you won't be charged going forward mm, that's real that's real yeah, yeah so now at what point do you say you're on your own you got this because we've we've basically we basically found you a match it seems to be working at what point do you say okay you're on your own 
Yeah, so that's a good point. And one of the things uh, that I want to take into account and I encourage everybody is, you know, there's a lot of things you need to evaluate when you decide to be exclusive. Um, so I'm going to be real. Whenever you meet a match that you like or even a, anybody you're dating, don't jump into being exclusive with them right away. That's, you'll, that goes to the term where every, you'll hear people tell you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, uh, you go on a date or two and you're infatuated with this person. Okay, cool, cool. Keep talking to them. Keep dating them. But at the same time, I wouldn't, I'm not going to tell you or encourage you to sh uh, shut your dating search down because anything could happen. It takes a while to get to know people. And that's why I told you, I look at my success rate from a six month period um, because, you know, I just, I don't want people to put all their eggs in one basket too soon. So I, I do encourage people to continue dating. And so until they're getting to a point where they're like, okay, you know, we've been talking for a while. Like we've both had a conversation. We know where we want this to go. We decide to be exclusive at that point. Then I'm like, okay, as long as I've talked about it, you feel good about this. That's fine. I can, I can understand you go ahead and good luck with that relationship. And I'm still going to check in with them. Um, so in a way my relationship never ends, but I do, I definitely don't encourage people to get ex exclusive too soon. Oh, I've noticed that a lot because yeah. people, they fall, they fall victims of social media, which, yeah. which I know you see it all the time. People, you see the Buddha people all on social media. And do you feel like some people will just hop in, will try to talk to you just because they want that same thing and they just want to keep up with them? Absolutely. And it's funny because right now we're in cuffing season. And so we know what cuffing season is about. It's yeah, people who, you know, have been, you know, they've had the summertime, they've been able to get out and join stuff, maybe not so much this year because of COVID, but typically, you know, people are acting, people are having a good time during the summer. I'll put it like that. Um, I, and yeah. so, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought COVID canceled cuffing season, but I'm still seeing people wind up having quarantine babies. Oh, absolutely. Because if anything, it's made people get really lonely. And I've talked to, I've had several conversations with people saying that COVID has really solidified the fact that they want a partner or that they want someone. Because when you think about it, you know, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, people were literally shut in their homes for like months. Um, and if you didn't have a companion, that got really lonely really quickly. Um, and so, you know, and I'm not saying that those people are, you know, want love or looking for someone for the wrong reasons, but I think COVID has probably brought us to the light that, you know, for people who are by themselves, it's probably solidified, you know what, I think it is time where I want a partner right now. Yeah. Now, now for the ones that do have a partner, um, I've also noticed that COVID solidified that, Either you really love this person, y'all need to yes. reconnect, or I can't stand this person. We need to get out because I've also yep. seen domestic violence cases going up because everybody's yeah. just stuck at home. So, Un unfortunately, that is absolutely true. And we were talking to one of our friends that's an attorney. They were talking about how even divorce rate has gone up. Um, one of my coworkers that I was working with, he had just started dating his girl um, right before. Uh, COVID happened and they, you know, they were doing good, but then they hit a rough patch and he's like, oh yeah, no, I, this is too much. Uh, so I think exactly what you said, it's for the people that are together or have met someone, this, if you get through COVID, then your relationship is probably pretty solid. Yeah. So yeah. now what do you say to the people that come to you and be like, hey, I need help reconnecting with my husband or reconnecting with my spouse? 
Yeah. So when it comes to married relationships, I'm probably going to recommend that you speak to a, a marriage counselor or a marriage therapist, just because, you know, when you're dealing with a dating relationship and a marriage relationship, you know, those are different scales. So I, I know what, you know, I'm, I'm really real with also what I can handle in my mental capacity. So I'm going to refer you to someone who specializes um, in that if you're, if you're married in a committed relationship like that. Now, speaking of mental capacity, how do you handle it having to try to be play superwoman for all these people who they need help finding somebody? How, how do you hold up? Yeah, so I really, man, you know, self-care has really become a hot topic over, I'd say, like, maybe the past year or two, but it is real. So for me, I have several different outlets. Um, I enjoy reading uh, realistic fiction books. So every night before bed, I read. I do a devote. I'm a Christian, so I try to make sure I'm on you version doing some type of devotional. Um, and then, you know, of course, I have my husband. He's silly and goofy. So sometimes he's, he really helps me because I'm one of those, I can get laser focused. And when I'm working, I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. Like be, be quiet, but he's goofy. And so he kind of makes me interact with him. And so it, it's really been a blessing that, you know, we're kind of opposites in that way because he's, he brings me back down to earth sometimes. So those are my few outlets. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Now something I didn't ask you, which we're going to take a little extreme from it. What do you say to people that that have sexual purposes like, oh, they have to be good in bed or stuff, stuff like that? What do you do if you get those kind of questions from people? Oh, man. All right. So those people that's and that's a that's a legit question. So when we go back to me talking about uh, attachments and not putting all your eggs in one basket and getting exclusive too soon, I'm going to encourage you to abstain from sex for a little bit. So yes, of course, you know, people want to get in there and talk about their sex, sexual preferences, but I'm like, look, I'm not here for that. I am concerned about you um, getting someone who is compatible and as someone is, who is a Christian, you know, this is something I really have to think about too, because I, in, in good faith, cannot really encourage people to have sex before marriage. I know it happens, but as for me and my house, I'm not going to encourage that behavior. Um, and I really truly do believe that if you have chemistry with someone and you're compatible with someone, the sexual stuff that that will that will that will happen. No, no, I under, no, I understand. I respect. Yeah. It's just I, yeah. know I have a lot of listeners. I love. Oh, yeah. Who don't <laughs> think like that. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. I know. I know there are a lot of people that just they sometimes they date to just get that on. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that and I know that that's out there. And if that's really what people are worried about, that's where I'm going to, you know, encourage, like I mentioned before, I'm probably not going to take you on as a client because there's apps for that. There are groups for that. Um, again, I'm really trying to work with people who want to be intentional, who want to find their long term person who's trying to find a husband or a wife. And when you think of it in terms of that, like if you have that chemistry and that spark, um, you know, the sexual compatibility, I really, truly believe will come with that so if you're just looking for a fling or you're worried about are they good in bed I'd say try the dating apps that's real that's yeah real. now how do you handle people with kids because it's like for brothers now personally I don't have any kids but I've known some and they've mentioned that 
it seems like as soon as they mention they have one child or one or two kids, but they're taking care of their kids, it's an instant red flag for women. Whereas, whereas women, they they applaud it for being strong for dating and still having children, but they'll look at a man sideways if a man says, oh, I don't date kids, but yet you hear a lot of women say they want to give the time to date to a man with children. Yeah, so man, Victor, you're asking some good questions. This is a good one too. Um, so in my process and also for members of my database and um, in my actual clients, that is one of the big questions. And that's a preference that sometimes I will or will not challenge people on. Um, it's, do you have kids? And would you be willing to date someone with kids? Um, sometimes people are giving me like, hey, you know what, I'd be cool. I'm okay with dating someone with one kid, but maybe not three or four um, you know, if I am dating with someone with a kid, I want to make sure that they have a good relationship with their child and there's no drama between them and their, um, their child's father or mother. Um, so I hear a lot of different preferences around that. I think, again, we have to think about the dating pool that I mentioned earlier. Um, and whenever you say, hey, you know, I don't want to date anyone with any kids, I was like, okay, that's fine. But we also have to think about, you know, you are, you could be limiting yourself. Um, so I'll give them a scenario. I was like, okay, what if, what if I come uh, across this man who, you know, he's all these things, but he may have a kid. Would you still want to meet them? And when I have, when I get people thinking about that, they're like, oh, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I might meet him at that point. Um, so I try to challenge them. Um, not huge, you know, if they tell me that they, you know, don't want anybody with kids, I'm probably not going to go and find someone who has four or five. Uh, but there is a little bit of wiggle room that I ask people to have there. Um, and also think that you have to be really willing and set expectations up front because working with people who have kids, like you're not, you, you're dating, but you also have to consider, you know, the person that you're, inter that you're letting have a peek at your life. Um, so there's a lady who I was talking with and she was kind of talking about how, you know, she, at the end of the day, she needs a companion who also would be a good influence on her son. And I was like, that's really real because, you know, as singles who may not have kids, it's easier for us to navigate because, you know, we're only thinking about us. We don't have anybody else to think about. But when you have people with kids, you know, they have to think about their families and they have to think about, you know, all of their decisions are impacting their offspring. Now, how do you coach them up? Because um, I'm, I'm going to get personal here. It's like I've been out with women with kids, and some of them will tell me straight up on the first day, my kids got to be involved. That part I understand. But then they get into, oh, what they like to do with kids or their kids this. They're giving too many details about the kids instead of giving details about themselves. Now, Ooh, how do you coach good. them on, on how to conduct themselves on going out with dates with somebody who maybe don't have a child? <laughs> That's good. I, I like that question. That's really good. Um, so really and truly, especially working with my clients, I want them to think of this process as something that they're doing for themselves. Um, so absolutely, yes, 100%, you do have to keep your kids in mind when you're dating and in your social life. But I want them to, especially when they're going on dates, I want them to be like, hey, this is you time. Um, this is time, and, and for the guys as well, this is you time. This is not time where you have to go and talk about your kids. You don't have to go and think about your kids. Just be yourself and enjoy who you're with. Um, I want people to be, I encourage people to be very present on the date um, and, you know, talk about with that person. And, and your first dates especially really should be time for you all to start, you know, really getting to know each other and find common interests. 
um, try to, I always encourage people to try to laugh about something on a date. Uh, so that's kind of how I encourage people with children, you know, take this time for yourself. And what I mean for yourself, including conversation, you know, talk with your, about yourself uh, and about that person you're on a date with. So that was a good, that's a good question. That's real. So yeah. now you're working on also like maybe having like speed dating events like in the Dallas area, you know what I'm saying? For like people as well, for all you members to just get out there and speed date and mingle and co-mingle amongst yeah. each other. Absolutely. That is absolutely on the radar. I'm thinking of probably targeting at the beginning of uh, this coming year, just because I want to, you know, I want to see how COVID is playing out. Things do seem to be getting better, but I am putting people's safety at the forefront right now. Uh, so before I actually start hosting my own events, I do, uh, I want to make sure people are going to feel safe and we can social distance and follow protocols. Um, even with like setting up dates now, when I'm talking to clients, I asked them too about, you know, what do you feel comfortable with? Because as you probably noticed, Victor, like some people or are still more comfortable with like getting out there and doing certain social activities than others are. Um, so that's something I'm still having to take into account when I'm setting people up too. Yeah, listen, I live in Florida and they just, they, they don't care here. It's like certain <laughs> states, they just don't care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They yeah, don't care I, I, states. Yeah. So it's like, so now when you're coaching up people, where are you encouraging them to go out on dates? Because I've heard some crazy places, first date, crazy places. So where are you encouraging them to take their first dates or have their first dates? Yeah, well, especially in the era of COVID, uh, starting off with something that they're comfortable with. Like I have some people who may not be comfortable going inside of restaurants. So I might uh, recommend doing things like a picnic um, or meeting in the park. If people have dogs, going to the dog park is, especially for dog lovers, that's something they love doing. Like meeting you know, a first date at a dog park uh, and having their dogs um, there together. Um, going for walks on a trail, especially now that it's fall and the weather is so much nicer than it was in the summertime. Anything outdoors um, is fun. A lot of festivals, like one of my favorite recommendations and also one of my favorite places to go on the weekends is the farmer's market. Um, and so if you can hit up those types of areas, you know, there's a lot of, and when you're in situations like that, we're at a, like a festival or a farmer's market or somewhere there's a lot of vendors or a lot going on. You also have to think about that gives you a lot to talk about too. Um, you know, so you're not just at a restaurant or even on a picnic. If you, you kind of have to feel comfortable with that person because it could just be you too. But if you're going out somewhere in public like that, where there's other people around, you can people watch, you can talk about the vendors or the different things that they're selling. Um, so those are some of the ones that I encourage right off the bat. That's real. That's real. Now, do you have an age preference in which you work with people? Um, because I know at certain ages, like you, you do you like tell them like you're a little too young to be thinking about getting this serious or is there just no age limit? Yeah, I would. I'm not going to say that. I, well, everyone that I work with has to be over 21 and that's including joining my free database. Now, I'm not saying I have any age limits, but I will tell you the people who are typically attracted to this type of service are going to be 35 and up typically. Um, well, I'll say 35 for the men. Women, I see them um, as early as their late 20s. Oh, wow. I'm, yeah. I guess I'm too young for the service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I don't have any parameters, but I'm just telling you what people who are typically coming to me are in around those age ranges because they've they've seen enough of life and they've been like, yeah, I've tried the dating apps. I've tried to meet people in person. And it's just not working. And also at that age range, these could be people who, like I mentioned earlier, they may have been married before, they may have kids, you know, they're kind of advanced in their career. So for different reasons, they're like, 
I don't have the time or I'm, I'm really just need someone who to help me through this process. Cause I've tried it by myself and it's not working out too well. That's real. So now who did you learn from before you decided I want to do this for myself? Oh man. So a lot of research um, went into it. Um, I look like you mentioned, uh, they have the matchmaking Institute. Um, so they have a lot of resources for matchmakers. I've read through a lot of their collateral um, I've gone through a lot like I have when I first started deciding to do this I made a whole list of different matchmakers and they all have a good bit of um, information on their site some of them have blogs and then of course so I you know I did all this uh, research and right around the time when I decided to come up with uh, to build my matchmaking business this Indian matchmaker show on Netflix came out I don't know if you've heard of it but it was really popular um, I guess towards the end of the summer. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to build this business. I need to know what people are seeing on TV about matchmakers. So I started watching Indian Matchmaker. I watched um, Millionaire Matchmaker and in different shows, um, reality shows that, you know, matchmakers were in. And I'm not going to say I agree with what all they did or 100%, but I was able to take some tips and tricks and maybe even some communication approaches um, away from them as well. So uh it's a lot of a lot of different areas, but a lot of reading and a lot of watching. <laughs> that's real. That's real. Yeah. So what was the biggest thing you like learned from them to like say that you're gonna just incorporate in your services? Really it's being transparent and challenging people. Um, I will say that that is the one thing that I've kind of found consistency on when I've watched these resources or when I've read them. Um, because really and truly, like when, especially when people are paying you. When people are paying you, you know, there's a expectation that you, like the customer is always right. I know we've all heard of that. Um, and so it's really easy to do whatever they say um, or to, you know, want to bend over backwards to meet their preferences. But that's why at the very beginning, I think it's important. I try to set those expectations like, yes, um, I'm listening to your preferences. I'm taking note of all these things, but I'm going to challenge you. And then I ask them a step further, is that okay? And whenever they agree that, yes, it's okay if you challenge me, or yes, it's okay if, you know, you may present someone who you think is a good match, but um, may not meet all of these physical um, preferences or, you know, some of even the um, other values that I, I say I wanted. Um, and so challenging them, um, encouraging people to keep an open mind and being transparent are really some of the things that I've taken away from others um, in the industry. And so, so now have you ever met any other matchmakers who've um, contacted you to um, possibly be a mentor or to, you know, want to start doing things themselves? Yeah, well, physically, no, because and you know what, I'm kind of bummed because they have the Matchmaking Institute actually has a conference every year. So hopefully next year I'll get to go and network with a lot of matchmakers. But I have been in contact with a few others um, just to reach out to them. And the thing, the nice thing about the matchmaking industry is we really don't see each other as competitors because when you think about it, we all have the same goal for our clients. We're trying to match them up. So one matchmaker, when I first started out, she asked me, she's like, hey, I have this lady I'm trying to match for. If you come across anyone you think is a good match, let me know. And so being open and having those types of relationships with other matchmakers is really mutual beneficial. Um, not just for you, but for our clients, which is really the people that we're trying to help. So that, that is the one thing I like about the matchmaking industry. It's not like if I see another matchmaker, I view her as my competition. Instead, it's like, oh, 
How can we partner? How can we potentially help each other if we're looking for a match? That is what's up. So yeah. do y'all ever like talk about people that y'all just are having a tough time matching, finding matches for? I, yeah, I think so. Because I think that's when you really have to, it's good to have someone to, uh, to throw ideas off of. I mean, just like if you've had a tough day at work and you're working with someone, a boss is really difficult. Yeah, you're going to go over to your coworker and be like, man, how do you deal with this? Or even still, do you have any tips for me? Um, and in this case, asking, hey, do you have any tips? Have you dealt with someone like this before? Or have you come across someone that you think could be a, a potentially good match? So absolutely, it's, it's really good to be connected with other people in the industry. Now, what is the oldest person that's, that's contacted you to be like, hey, I need to be, a, uh, I need your services? Oh, <laughs> I got someone to join my database who was in their 60s, actually. Um, and it was, it's, it's good because I was like, you know what, I never know when I will get a client in their 60s. And that's very real because you think about someone at that age, you know, they probably are towards, they, at that point, they could, they're probably empty nesters. Um, and so, you know, if they were maybe a single parent or they, they got divorced at some point, they probably are looking to get out in the dating scene again uh, because they have the time for themselves now. So although they are definitely, that's probably the oldest that I've come in contact with and that someone has interacted with me, but I'm very open because I can completely understand how at that age range, you are ready uh, to find a companion. Now that, that's that's real. That's definitely real. Yeah. So how do you handle people that just get out of relationships that want to come to you like, hey, um, I'm I'm interested in your services? Yeah, that's a good question too. Uh, one of the things I do have a stipulation: you cannot be, you have to be uh, legally divorced. Um, so I have had uh, people contact me in the past who were, let's just say, just separated. Um, and that's not someone I'm going to work with because again, I'm promoting intentionality. And so I want to make sure that you are legally divorced, um, before I'm presenting people to you, because I want to make sure that there is a clear path of what this can lead towards people who just got out of a long-term relationship that may not have been uh, legally married. Um, those people, I really want to do a lot of background, um, background, uh, understanding of you know, what do they think went wrong? Why do they think they're ready for someone now? What did they learn out of the relationship um, to see? Uh, because I don't think that there is a threshold. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, you, after you get out of a long-term relationship, you need to wait, I, I'd say, for at least three or four months. I'm not going to put that on people, but I think it's more of a mental and emotional type thing that, you know, we need to evaluate once you get out of a long-term relationship. That's real, because... And what do you tell those people that, you know, you, they evaluate them, but they still keep in touch with their exes because there are some people that they just, they can't let go of the exes to save their lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you are still, if it's someone's coming to, uh, to me and they're just talking about, you know, I'm still communicating with my ex, unless this is someone that you may have a child with and y'all are talking to each other for the purposes of your child. You know, if you're still talking to your ex, that tells me that you aren't quite ready to move on. Um, and even if you're friends, like, and I, I hear, I see that with a lot of people and I know you probably do too. Um, you know, oh, we, we ended things on a good note. We're just going to be friends. Uh, well, I mean, let's be real here. They're your ex. If you're dating a new person, do you think they'd be comfortable with you messaging your ex back and forth? Cause there's still going to be feelings there. 
I mean, feelings don't just disappear once you break up with someone or once you, uh, you know, once y'all go your separate ways. So to me, if you're still communicating with the ex, then you may not be ready for something intentional. Um, like I'm going to be trying to find you. That's real. So now how yeah. do you help people deal with, like, say it's being intentional, they meet the person and it just turns out don't work out. Now, how do you help the person that, how do you help them from there? Like if they don't, they meet somebody and it just, for whatever reason, it don't work out. Now, how do you work with them? Is there something you need to coach them on or what do you do with them? Good question. And so that's actually part of the process. You know, once I, and this is for both parties, um, once I introduce you, my client to a match and they go on a date, I get feedback from both parties. Um, and so sometimes one person may be under the impression that things went well, but the other person may come and tell me, you know, I don't, I didn't really, you know, I don't really think I want to see them again. Um, so there's a lot of information that I find out from that feedback. And then when I'm working with my clients, that tells me more about some of those unspoken things that we may not have touched on during my month of getting to know them. Um, so say, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, something would be about their dental hygiene. Okay, so I have a client, um, someone that I'm working with, and we talked about their preferences, we talked about what I'm looking for, but they never, we never really touched on the subject of dental hygiene. So I found a match, they, you know, made an introduction, they met in person, but their teeth weren't in the best shape. Now, it's not something that I really, I mean, I knew they saw pictures, but they still wanted to be like, oh, okay, this is, this is fine. But once they met that person in person, it turned out it was a little worse than what it looked like in the pictures. So that's a good example of, you know, once I get that post-date feedback, I'm like, oh, okay. And we're both able to say, oh, okay. So I'm making sure that next time I'm getting you matches that we know have, you know, straight teeth or have good dental hygiene. Um, so once I get that feedback, even if it didn't go well on the, uh, you know, your introduction or your, your first date, I'm still able to collect all that data and use that and help tailor my process going forward. That's real. That's real. Yeah. So what's the process going forward? If like I said, it don't work out, what, how long do you take before you find them another match or get them on another date? Yeah, so it really depends. Um, so typically my range is about three to four weeks. Um, but, uh, but oftentimes what happens is I could potentially have a couple of different people lined up. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm coming across two or three guys and I'm like, oh, okay. I think they would both do well. Um, you know, she'll, I'll have my client, she'll go on the first date. She may not like him. And then I'll probably reach out to that second guy. Like, Hey, you know what? Um, I have someone for you. So anywhere between three, uh, and no more than four weeks, I'm typically lining up another date for them. Wow. That, yeah. that, that's, that's a quick turnaround, you know what I'm saying? Because, and are you also working with them, like giving them feedback on this is what the date yeah. said about you and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And there's some things I do and don't share with the client. Um, so, you know, I, when I get that feedback, if it's constructive and I think it's going to be something that the client needs to know going forward, I'll share it. But sometimes I'll use those as my own personal notes, like, oh, okay, um, maybe this isn't something that they can change. And this is something that just how this person is, but at least lets me know that, okay, I probably don't need to match them with a person that is, for instance, maybe sensitive. Um, so yeah, so it goes both ways. Sometimes I share the feedback and sometimes it's just like good notes for me. Mm. So now at what point would you just get after, 
it, would there ever be a point where it's just like I can't after multiple dates or multiple days we just can't find you a match? Would that that ever be a point, or you just gonna be like, no, we're gonna find you somebody? Gonna <laughs> stop. So I think the important thing there is uh, having a continuous conversation. So I don't just leave my clients out to dry. Like, you know, even though, like I told you, there's that three to four week turnaround, um, we're in constant communication. I'm very real with them. Um, If we start off and I'm trying to find them someone who's, you know, who is this type of person. And that's something we talk about. Like uh, at the end of that first month period, I tell them my strategy. I tell them, hey, I'm looking for people that fit this, this, and that. Um, And they kind of say like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Or no, that doesn't, let's tailor it. So um, I'm, I'm going to be keeping them updated throughout the process. And if we have, let's say, two or three meetings that don't go well, then at that point, I'd set up a meeting and say, hey, let's brainstorm and strategize because there's something here that's off. It, it could be me. It could be how, uh, who I'm matching you with. Um, I'm also taking that as a time to get feedback from them. Like, hey, what have these people had in common that's missing for you? Or, or what's not doing it for you with the people that you've met? Um, so I, I think... But I wouldn't, I'm not saying I'd ever necessarily cut someone off unless we mutually felt like, you know, the timing may not be right. Um, but instead, I try to make sure that we're having conversations and we're pivoting when we need to do that. That's real. That's real. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Look at Talk. If you don't know now, you know, I hope y'all have been enjoying this talk today with Brooke, the matchmaker, you know what I'm saying? So what are you going to, are you going to encourage other Black people to get into the matchmaking business? Absolutely. I really think that it is a good alternative option for us. Um, Other communities do it, other populations do it. Um, Typically here in the United States, match a lot of the people who utilize matchmaking or high net worth, uh, typically white males and some white women. Um, But I really think that it would be great for our community. Um, I think there's a gap. We have the same problems that they do. Um, and, and I really think that we could benefit from it. And that's why I created this business, because I knew that our communities, we need it just like the other communities that have matchmakers. Yeah, I think we definitely need it just yeah. like the other communities. And this time having it, just from my personal, I think having it, it will hold them accountable on your actions and the kind of yeah. people you're dating. And I feel like this could definitely just hold people accountable in you know what I'm saying? Not just out here running through people like people in our community like to do. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, and that's what I really want to promote the intentionality of it. Like, you know, when you are ready, come hit me up. Let me know. So now will you just teleport, like I said, now, how do, now, what do people need to have in order before they come to you? <laughs> Well, again, they need to kind of do some of that self-reflection. Think about, am I really ready for um, an intentional relationship? Am I ready to commit to this process? Um, And am I ready to be open? Uh, And then you come have a conversation with me. And then again, still, before I even charge people, I have what I call a 30-minute discovery call. And that's where I get on there. I talk to them about any of the questions they may have. I outline my process. I see if we gel, you know, do they like me? Do I feel like I can help them? Um, I want it to be a mutual decision for us to want to work together. That's real. Now, also, something I should have asked you a little earlier. Now, do you promote, do you like promote long distance relationships or do all your relationships have to be in that same city? 
Yeah. So that's really going to be up to the client. Um, some people are specific, like, you know, no, I want someone who is at least no more than an hour away because that, that physical companionship and being in the same space with someone is important. And then some people are like, you know what? I don't have any ties to where I'm living. So if I meet someone who's a state over or a couple states over, I can pack up and go if I need to, especially now that a lot of people are moving to remote work. I'm finding that they are a little bit more open to maybe even pursuing relationships that um, are in their same city. Mm, that's real. That's real. Yeah. So now what can people ultimately get from using your service besides a companion? Yeah. So I think using my service, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. Um, because, you know, using me, like I mentioned, I'm your dating concierge. So I'm going to be asking you questions. I'm going to be pushing back on you a little bit. So not only, you know, are you getting a companion out of it, but you're really getting a chance to grow and develop as a person. And then of course, I'm going to be your friend. Like I said, even once you're done, I'm going to still be with you. Uh, so I, I'm going to, you're going to get me as well. <laughs> and lastly, why do people need to utilize, why do people in the black community need to give a matchmaker a chance? Yeah, because I think that we have seen um, that, you know, a lot of dating apps, they're, they're not only are they not catered towards us, but they really don't necessarily work for us either. Um, you know, I've, I hear a lot of people talk about they're getting on our dating apps and they may come across, you know, a handful of black people. Um, and really and truly, it's not really a lot of people of color on dating apps. So I think that if we start utilizing a matchmaker, we can kind of grow our mind, can have a huge database of people. And when you come to me, I'd be like, man, I already have uh, 15 people in line that I think you'd be uh, good for. So I really think it could be beneficial. And to your point, like you mentioned earlier, also it promote intentionality in our community too. And lastly, and now for the people, uh, now the people that reached the end of this, they sound like they could be interested. And how much do you, how much do they need to come up with to get started? Yeah, so you can get started for $1,000 is my enrollment fee. Um, and from there, it's going to be about 400 a month. So I asked for a six month commitment. So you're looking at about a $3,000 package, um, but only about $1,000 to get started. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you got that kind of money and you're really serious about mm -hmm. finding somebody and you're committed to it, I would encourage you to talk to Ms. Brooke because I hope after hearing this podcast, my black folks, y'all like are watching this on YouTube. Y'all like, I need to sign up with her. You know what I'm saying? She's going to make sure you get your money's worth. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or join my free database. If you don't have the coins for that yet, feel free to join my database. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, hey, Brooke, I want to tell you, thank you for joining me today. I know I'm in Florida and you're in Texas. I thank you for taking the time out to come on and talk to people. Tell the people about your business, because this is definitely something new in the Black community. And it's, it's definitely what we need. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Victor. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you, and I really hope that this helps, uh, helps our people. Yes, I hope this helps our people. And if there's any way uh, I could I could help you out anyway, you just let me know because uh, oh, I can tell everybody I might be in Florida, but I'm just a DM away. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yep, if absolutely. You need some help like whatever, just let me know. We'll talk about talk about how we can work together. You know what I'm saying? Because well, it's all about growth going into 2020 and in 2021. Us Black creatives, Black business owners, so we yep. definitely got to stick together. Yep, now more than ever. Much appreciated.
And much appreciated. And thank you for listening to Liquor Talk. Thank you for watching this. Until next time, remember all your problems are temporary and there's just to pull it up and keep it moving. Deuces, everybody. <laughs>